Welcome into the Nick State of Mind podcast. I'm Matt Castillo, Chip Murphy, Danny Small. A lot has gone on in the last week. We had the emergency episode last week with uh, Coach Fisdale being fired. Uh, we went into a little bit about uh, Coach Mike Miller, the, the interim coach for the Knicks. And that's where we're going to kind of start right now. Uh, the, the debut against the Pacers the other night. Uh, kind of some of our thoughts from that game. Some of the thoughts of, of how Coach Miller... Uh, handled the game and how he's handled this whole process because it's not an easy situation, guys. You, you know, you're getting thrown right into it. Uh, you, you get Fisdale fired, bam, the next day you're playing a game. You know, it, it wasn't a lengthy couple of days to kind of get some practice in. and It was – you're right into it. So it, it's had to have been a, a tough challenge for, for Coach Miller. We're going to go into that. And also we'll talk about the – the road trip that they're on, this four-game road trip that they're out on the West Coast, it starts tomorrow night with Portland. So the Knicks will face Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony talked to a small group of reporters. So uh, we'll talk about that matchup and some of the things that Melo had to say uh, with the New York Knicks. But let's start right here with Coach Miller, the game uh, against the Pacers last night. Uh, you know, Chip, I'll start with you. Right off the bat, you know, watching that game, how did you think that Coach Miller's handled this, you know, being thrust right into the head coaching role, jumping right into a game, and how the team looked the other night? I thought he handled it about as well as could be expected. Uh, he didn't know if he was going to get the job or not, probably. I think he knew that uh, Fizz was going to be fired, but I don't think anybody really knew who was going to replace him. I don't even think... Uh, the front office knew who uh, was going to replace Fizz. So, and he had no uh, prior NBA head coaching experience, obviously. So, and this was his first year with the Knicks. So he, he had very uh, little NBA coaching experience at all. He was, he's more of a G League experience, but uh, he's obviously uh, was the favorite among the fans to take over. So the fans are very happy. And I've, was interested to see what he did, and it was it was pretty interesting. I mean, the offense definitely looked different. Uh, there wasn't as much, at least early in the game, uh, Randall isolation type of play, uh, and then towards the end they kind of leaked a little bit more towards that when they got desperate. But something that was interesting, I think Breen even mentioned it uh, during the game, was – uh, I think they were winning at the end of the first quarter, close at the end of the first quarter, and uh, they only attempted three threes in the entire first quarter. And they were still, yeah, they were down five at the end of the uh, quarter, and it felt like it should have been closer, like they let the Pacers get away at the end. And uh, they weren't like threes or anything, or, you know, Alfred Payton looked really good running the offense. I think they were, that was, I think, the big takeaway was the offense was really running more through Alfred Payton than it was through Julius Randle. And in Fizz's defense, for the most part, he didn't have the opportunity to let Alfred Payton run the offense instead of Julius Randle. Maybe he would have done that when Payton got back. I don't know. But letting Randle be the creator at all is not an option. 
And going mm-hmm. forward, maybe they won't do that. Um, I'm looking at uh, cleaning the glass, obviously, right now. And I like the fact it says here their frequency from the game, they took 42% of their shots at the rim. Uh, and just 28% of those shots were mid-range. Uh, and 29% of those shots were threes. Um, they're not a great shooting team. They should probably take more threes than that. But they're really, they're ice cold right now. I mean, Wayne Ellington was brought in to be their, probably their best three-point shooter. Oh. And he's cold. Mm-hmm. And he's ice cold. And Alonzo Trier's glued to the bench for the most part. And... Uh, What's God? I can't even remember. Oh, Reggie Bullock. Reggie Bullock was uh, their <laughs> other three-point acquisition, and it took me a while to remember his name. That's how out of the news he's been because he's been hurt the whole season. Right. So uh, it was it was a, a different looking team. It definitely was. They were energized. I don't know if it was because they were energized by the firing of a coach they liked, but whatever. It was definitely a different looking team. And yes, the Pacers were playing without their starting point guard and their starting shooting guard, so that should be taken into account. And the other thing that should be taken into account, the Knicks did in fact lose the game when it came down to it, and Julius Randle choked like a dog. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all knew it was good. not Mike Miller's fault that Julius Randle yeah. choked. No. So no. yeah, and I no. I think I think it's it's like super easy to try and like look at that game and say, all right, you know, things are so much different under Miller. Miller's gonna, you know, he he's changing the team. I think it's, you know, just because they come off two just historic losses almost, and then they play well against a team that's gonna be in the playoffs, and you know, the the Pacers are pretty, you know, even though they're missing their guys, they're a pretty sound team up and down the roster. But I do agree. I think that's a good point, Chip. Obviously, no Brogdon, no Oladipo. Pacers are a different team with those two guys, and also second night of a back-to-back plus a end of a five-game road trip. So they were really coming in like kind of a better team would have thought blood in the water. But the Knicks obviously had their own issues going on, and at the end of the day, same same issues arise. Knicks missed crucial free throws that could have won them the game, and then they also let the Pacers shoot forty-three percent from deep. You know they were twelve or twenty-eight. McDermott hit some big threes. Um, you know, TJ Warren hit a couple. Lamb hit a couple. So it wasn't like they completely destroyed the Knicks from the outside. But again, Knicks weren't great at closing out, um, or at least as good as they should have been. But that being said, there definitely was energy and a little, you know, different feel in the building for Miller's first game. But I think this road trip will mean a lot more going forward. You know, I think, Matt, you brought it up that it was, you know, Miller's first day on the job. He didn't even have a practice. They they said before the game that they put in a couple sets um, during shoot around. I guess so. I guess there's a little bit of coaching that went into it, but I think it's tough to to really you know try and take too much away from the first game just because of how weird everything about it was. Um, you know, guy taking over for coaching his first games didn't even have a practice. Um, the players had a players only meeting. To say, you know, we got to step up for Fizz, and then Mills fires Fizzdale without even knowing, you know, at least reportedly without knowing that the players' meeting went on, like or anything. So it's just a weird day all around, too. Um, and the other thing was just his pregame press conference. Miller's, I mean, he didn't say a whole lot. Just kind of was like thankful to Fizz, thankful to the organization, but no Mills, no Perry, no one answering any of the tough questions. 
options just kind of threw Miller out to the Wolves, which is just strange. Um, and for me, the whole night, it was just a strange. Knicks looked a little bit better, but I don't know how much of that is just like a momentary, you know, shot of adrenaline from your coach just got fired or how much of that is, you know, Miller's going to be tweaking some things here and there. You know, and you bring up the point about it was a weird night, the way things were handled. There's no Perry. There's no Mills. They're not answering the tough questions. And it's just one of those things where I'm not even surprised because what it comes down to is that at times like this, this organization has no idea what the hell they're doing. That's just – and this is the way it is. Like, you know, and even if we have a little bit of hope of what they're trying to do with the players and, you know, getting younger and trying to develop these guys, it's things like this that just continue to just make the Knicks – look bad when they don't do things maybe you know standing in front of reporters and answering those tough questions just do it you made your decision say why it's been very kind of rushed it's been you know throw them um, coach miller right right into it and honestly i was impressed by the way that they looked and the way they came out and played in that game chip you made good points though i mean brogdon wasn't there uh oladipo hasn't you know it hasn't been able to play uh so it's Obviously not the the best Pacer team right now, but this Pacer team I think is going to be very good uh, in the next coming months. But I, I, you know, from everything that he had to go through, just a quick turnaround, the team looked like they were out there ready to play, and that just hasn't been the case in the last couple of weeks. So is it telling us too much? No, it's only one game. It's so little, you really can't read too much into it. Uh, you know, we were talking about before the podcast, so it ended the way that the Knicks season has ended all year. They just can't close out a game. They have no go-to player. You know, they tried to make Randall that guy, and Randall just is not getting it done right now. That's just the way it is. And it's just failed execution down the stretch. You know, they'll, they either can't get stops or they're trading buckets like they did there. You know, Morris hit a couple of tough shots. Randall, I know, hit some shots as well. Uh, it's just a team that has no idea how to close out a game right now. And, you know, I don't blame coaching staff on that. I thought, you know, Miller did a, a pretty solid job in his first you know, game as, as the interim coach. Now, you know, they have this West Coast swing coming up. And, and before we kind of get into that, you know, Danny, you, you were at this game the other night, right? You, mm-hmm. you were covering and all that were you able to get to the locker room any of the press conferences anything like that after the game uh, you know it, we talked about this being a weird situation what, what are the players reactions to it I know Dennis Smith Jr. said something along the lines of that we have to take responsibility for mm-hmm. the Disney hiring things like that what, what's what's the mood like around the players with what's going on well they they definitely you know I'm sure there are guys on the team who didn't love Fisdale and are kind of happy that he, you know, things are changing. I'm sure there are guys there, but at least publicly, everyone had Fizdale's back. Everyone was, you know, pretty supportive of the coach. I mean, Mitch had a couple good, good quotes, you know, talking about how, you know, it's with Fizdale, it's bigger than basketball. It's, you know, he's, he's been like a really like good mentor for him and like helpful. And I think all the guys love Fizz. I mean, you know, across the league, like no player has a bad word to say about him. I don't know if that, you know, should have saved his job or whatever. But guys definitely have a soft spot and definitely care about Fizz. But that being said, I think there was definitely like a little bit more energy in the locker room. Um, I mean, they lost and guys were upset about it. Randall clearly took it hard. You know, you could see that during his uh, his 
pregame or postgame availability, you could tell that the loss hit him hard. But, I mean, there were guys joking around in there. There were guys, you know, messing around with each other after the game, you know, getting ready for the uh, the road trip. It was fairly upbeat in the locker room. And I guess, you know, is that a good thing after loss or a bad thing? I mean, who knows? Um, but at least it seems like there was kind of like a little – they were like – happier with their effort that they gave so i think they could live with the result a little bit more just because they were in it they gave themselves a shot mm-hmm. um and after you lose by 44 and then 37 you know losing a one-point game i can understand why they would be a little bit a uh, little bit and I'm, I'm not trying to make this sound like guys are like high-fiving and going crazy or anything in the locker room but it wasn't you know quite that like just defeated locker room where you know guys had no answers for anything it was like Guys were almost like, okay, you know, like, listen, we just put together a couple more possessions here and there. We make a play down the stretch. You know, we're we're going to be okay. That was kind of the feeling that I got. You know, and I'll say this really quick as well. Um, and, and please hear what I'm saying. I, I'm not making a case for Miller to be the coach after one game or anything like that. That's That's not what I'm about to say. But what I'm saying is I'm kind of glad he's getting an opportunity. That's that's all. I mean, he's, he's coached the the G League team, uh, has won the manager or coach of the year, I should say, in the G League. Why not give him a shot? That's all I'm going to say. I, you know, I know you guys talked about this a little bit on the last show. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do it because of because of work because I got me working all the time. That's a different story. But you know, <laughs> I, I I like uh I like that they're giving him a chance there, see what he can do. You know, he's been with the organization and has had success. You know, Nick Nurse. For the Raptors, mm-hmm. he, he was the G League coach and won two championships, and you know and he's their head coach and won a championship last year with them. So, what I'm saying is, I'm just happy that they're giving him an opportunity. This is not me saying let's make him the head coach. They looked really good, and they only lost by one point. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I, I like the fact that he's getting an opportunity. It's but, really the. It's really just. Well, I'll throw one thing in. That's the only way Mills and Perry end up keeping their jobs is if he can kind of turn things around and right the ship a little bit. It's like their their hopes are, are riding on him. You think Perry's in trouble? I think. I think. Yeah, because I think. I think him and Mills are kind of attached at the hip at this point. So, so if one goes, it's going to have to. Yeah, I, I think they'll just clean house. If, I was wondering if, about that, but. But I mean, we'll see. A lot can change between now and the end of the season. But at least that's the uh, that's that's where I'm at right now. What I'm what I would predict. Well, uh, here's the thing for Coach uh, Miller. Now he's about to go into a tough West Coast swing right here. Mm-hmm. Starts off with Portland. Obviously, there's other headlines here. It goes with Camelo Anthony facing the Knicks for the first time with the Portland Trailblazers. Anytime we see Melo. You know, again, it's always uh, interesting to see because a lot of Nick fans still have a lot of love for Carmelo Anthony, and I think all Nick fans should um, because, you know, part of the comments that were made, you know, talking to uh, some of the, the reporters, you know, about this Nick situation. Danny, you have a little bit more about what he kind of went into uh, talking to this small group of reporters about the Knicks and mentioned some other superstars in the league. Yeah, I just um... – we, we thought we definitely had to had to get to this because obviously the Kevin Durant, you know, Kyrie Irving going to the Brooklyn stuff is something that Anthony, I think Carmelo has a unique perspective on. Um, and he spoke, I'm reading off of uh, Newsday's Steve Popper right now. Um, he said, I mean, not everybody can deal with that. 
not even a star. I mean, regular player, role guys, just players. A lot of people can't deal with that. There's not too many people who can deal with comes with that. Um, I don't want to say it's pressure, but everything that comes along with wearing the Knicks across your chest. So obviously he knows better than anyone kind of the uh, the spotlight that playing on the Knicks can give you. And then he kind of went on a little bit to address Durant and Kyrie specifically, saying, I don't think it surprised me. We all read Durant's quotes. We know what he said, whether you agree with him or not. That just goes to show people have different perspectives about it. It's not always, oh, that's the Knicks and we're going to get somebody. It's not a guarantee. Nowadays, players are not thinking about that. Players want to be able to go to a situation where they can enjoy it, have fun, and not have to deal with that. So clearly, Melo knows better than anyone because he was the – I mean, I'll give him our Stoudemire some credit too because he signed with the Knicks. But Melo was one of those guys who actually wanted the spotlight of playing in New York and he wanted, you know, kind of the, the pressure that comes with that. Um, and, I, I mean, it makes sense why guys like Durant and Irving wouldn't want to put themselves in that kind of – that pressure cooker of MSG. Um but the one thing I think Mello and the reason why now he's so beloved by Knicks fans is because Knicks fans realize that he was the guy who said, you know, give me all that. Give me everything like like get all the, uh, you know, the good and bad that comes with playing for the Knicks and being the guy on the Knicks. And Mello just he, he accepted it with open arms. Right. And Chip, kind of your thoughts on this, because, you know, Mello's basically saying that. Yeah, playing for the Knicks isn't for everyone. I'm talking about, you know, Durant, Kyrie, even Fat Joe said something earlier in the week as well about Durant and Kyrie went to Brooklyn because they, they were scared to put on the Knicks uniform and embrace, you know, all that comes with being a New York <laughs> Knicks. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on Carmelo Anthony really basically saying, I wanted to be there. These other guys, they're not really built for it. What were your thoughts behind that? Well, I don't know if that's what he was saying. I think he was pretty – I think he's pretty careful, like, not to insult them because that's not really Melo's personality to take shots at people. And and complained about it if Melo did. We all know how sensitive Yeah, Kevin yeah. Is. Well, they all – everybody likes Melo. So right. no one's no – one's, no one wants to take a shot at Melo, and Melo doesn't like taking shots at people. So he was kind of careful about it, and I think he – he mentioned he was upset with the organization, or not upset with the organization, more upset about the situation with Fizz getting fired because he he's close with Fizz too. Um, uh, he, I guess he said not everybody is built for New York. Not everybody likes New York, whatever. Not everybody wants to take it on like he did. And he's right. He's just stating the facts. He wanted to take on that kind of pressure that, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving didn't take on when they went to Brooklyn. And I'm not sure if that's why Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving didn't go to the Knicks. I don't really think that's the predominant reason. I think Kyrie Irving grew up a Nets fan and watched Jason Kidd and liked Jason Kidd. And the Knicks suck. And he didn't want to go play for a bad team with a bad organization. And Kevin Durant, uh, Kyrie Irving said to Kevin Durant, I like this team, I like this coach, I like this general manager, whatever. Let's go play for these guys. And Kevin Durant was like, all right, whatever. I'm sitting out a year anyway. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> well, you know, we got Portland, obviously, the first team on this West Coast swing. Let's take a look now, you know, some of these other games. This four-game stretch, the Knicks had the Trailblazers tomorrow night. 
Uh, Wednesday, they take on the Golden State Warriors. Friday, they take on the Sacramento Kings. And then on Sunday, they'll take on the Denver Nuggets. Chip, uh, looking at these next four games, and what's what in your opinion? What's the outlook for the Knicks team? Are we going to beat the Warriors at least? Can we can we can we beat the Warriors? Can we, we do can this? Definitely, they definitely can. The Warriors are the <laughs> only team. The Warriors are the only team in the NBA, I think, with a worse net rating than the Knicks. Or do the Knicks mm-hmm. now have the worst net rating? Uh, Danny, do you know? Uh, I haven't looked. I haven't looked in the last Knicks. couple of days. They might have the worst one now, so They're, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I'm looking at differential, yeah. <clears throat> Cavs are close. Cavs are minus 10.3. Knicks are minus 10.4. Oh, for fuck's sake, really? The Cavs, yeah, the Cavs just got smacked by 40-plus, I think, too. So well, they, and they hate they, their coach. They caught up. So yeah, they're, really they're, they're a whole different mess. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Warriors are minus 9.3, so they're, they're, uh, well. they're not too far off. Still, that how weird is this that we're saying the Knicks can beat the Warriors? Yeah, <laughs> Just, yeah, it doesn't feel it's, right. If, it's not normal. If, you, if you went back, you know, six months or whatever, and and told us this was going to be the pod, we would be saying like, "Wow, so Kevin, how Kevin Durant must be playing really well, right? Like, right. you know, Ky, Kyrie must be going off." But instead, we were talking about two cellar dwellers. The Warriors are going to trade D'Angelo Russell to the Timberwolves for Andrew Wiggins because Carl Anthony Towns wants to play for him, play with him, and then they're going to draft like James Wiseman and yeah. and, re- yeah. and reboot their dynasty completely. Yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> I thought, yeah, people are like, it's over for it. They'll be back next year. They'll be back, next year, they'll be right back where they, where they mm-hmm. usually are. So, uh, it, But it's just funny that we're talking about, hey, we can beat the Warriors. When's the last time we've said that, huh? That's, it's yeah. It's been a while. And- and the the weird thing is, like, I I don't want to say the other games aren't winnable, but you know, Trailblazers. I know they're scuffling a little bit right now. They're not off to the greatest start, but you'd have to think the Trailblazers. Yeah, they're you'd have desperate. to think the Trailblazers being a desperate team at home. Um, you know, you'd have to think that's going to be a really tough game for the Knicks to win. Kings, I don't see that one. Kings yeah. is, is another one that's going to be tough. Um, Nuggets. I mean, they're kind of getting these teams at the right time because Kings. I don't think Fox is going to be back by then. The Nuggets are kind of – I know they just destroyed the Knicks, but the Nuggets are kind of up and down this year. They might be getting these teams at the right time, but, again, I can't see them winning anything more than just the Warriors game. I think if you, if you, split, yeah. you split this 2-2 somehow, you know, in whatever, whatever yeah. way you can, that would be like a – like uh, I think Knicks fans would be over the moon with that. Mm-hmm. You know, and these West Coast trips are hard. You know, obviously, even even good even good teams have have struggles on these on right. these long you know trips. You know, well, even vice versa when these teams come over to the East Coast, and, to, and even when they're playing great, you you see the travel and all that wear them down when they're not playing at their best. So, you know, a team like the Knicks that are already struggling and now having to go deal with all that traveling and. It's it's a long trip, back to back days in this one as well as they play Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, you know we've seen the way they've looked before in back to back nights, and it isn't good. So it's it, it's a tough little trip here, but there are some winnable games. If anything, I just we zero oh and four would just we got to beat the Warriors. I, I I mean that that's the game right there that we absolutely should have, and if we don't have, it, it would be. It's just no hope for this team. I think I've already kind of started my hashtag again of tanking. I know Nick fans <laughs> don't want to 
Uh, they they hate the word tanking. I just, uh, again, like... <laughs> uh, I'm there. I'm just at that point where, I mean, I'm 4-19. Uh, just, there's not... And, of course, I'm kidding at this point. You know, I, I'm not necessarily in full tank mode, but it's just the right thing, or it makes me feel better that I can just use that as my excuse if we lose a bit. Yeah, we're tanking, you know. But I would like to see the Knicks kind of turn some things around here. And again, I'm not talking playoffs, but I just want them to see them playing some competitive basketball. Uh, and I want to see them turn around some of these close games. You know, the, just one or two more plays are the difference. Um, I want to see the free throw shooting get improved. I'm telling you, every night. Oh, no, God. I mean, do they <laughs> say that again? At all? They just all look like they, they can't hit a free throw. I mean, it's weird. Like, you watch other levels of it and teams struggling from three throw, free throw line. These are professional players, and they're awful. You know, you kind of knew what was going to happen when, when Randall was at the line. You know, we were talking about that before we recorded. I was saying that I figured he was going to miss the first and then tried to miss the second but end up making it. That's what I thought would happen, but I knew there was no way that he was going to make both those free throws. Yeah. So. Those are the things I'm looking for. Beat the freaking Warriors yeah. at least. Hit some damn free throws, and then I'll be I'm happy. glad they. I'm glad they fired their fucking shooting coach, Keith Smart, <laughs> the free throw expert. Are you fucking serious, that guy? <laughs> that was uh. There was somebody tweeted out a video or a picture of him helping uh helping Barrett shooting free throws, and then you know, oh yeah, Barrett shoots that game like shoots like one for eleven or something, you know, <laughs> from the floor. Um, just bad timing, but uh, but yeah, I, I definitely. I've I've said it multiple times here. I've written columns about it. I've done it. I've done everything I can to shout from the rooftops about the free throws. It's just it's one of those things, you know, from every, every level of basketball you see like missed free throws will kill you no matter what. And it's been just such a such a tough thing to watch. Everyone everyone knew when Randall stepped up to the line there. It was like, "Oof, this is not this is this does not end well for the Knicks usually." Yeah, you I, you could tell what was going to happen beforehand. There was no doubt about it. So, you know, with this swing coming up, I, I agree with you, Danny. I think if the Knicks go two and two, we should be real happy about that. It's not it's not easy to win on the West Coast. Um, one and three, that probably means we beat the Warriors, and we should do that. So everybody's going to be well. They're not that good either. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, even even I think one and three wouldn't feel great. Right. Yeah. 0-4, forget about it. Just blow it all up. Just quit. I don't if care. 0-4, that would be a 13-game losing streak, 4-23, with the Hawks coming in, who are almost as dysfunctional as the Knicks right now. Um, <laughs> I want but, everybody thought they were going to compete. Uh, I, 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 don't think any, I don't think any of us oh. were. I, I think we were all on, uh, like, the, we were on uh, like the, the nice young core. Maybe they take right. a step forward. I mean, I, I, I'll admit, I, I thought they would be better than – I thought they would be, like, not a playoff team, but not, like, just a horrendous team. But their defense is just so bad. I got – Well, there's mess- people – oh, sorry, Matt, go ahead. Really quick, I got text messages for somebody at the beginning of the season that said they think the Hawk team could be an Eastern Conference Finals team this year. Oh, really? They lost, they lost all their credibility with me. I don't even know – Drinking the Trey Young stuff. juice. Yeah. There's, we don't talk fast. It's just not it's, – they're not allowed to. It's crazy. But go ahead, Chip. No, there's – I was just going to say there's people who still, like on Twitter and stuff and wherever in the media, still won't admit that the Hawks made a mistake 
trading Luca for Trey Young. Like that, I know Trey Young's gonna be good. He looks like he's gonna be really good, Luka, but come on. Right. Luca Luca looks like he could end up going down as a top three player of all time. You know, yeah. like yeah. he looks like he could potentially be that good. And uh yeah, I get it. But like Trey Young is fantastic. He's gonna be one of the best point guards in the league for a long time. But Luca is right. I'm watching yeah. film of him, by the way, when he was sixteen playing against pros. That's like there's no way you can miss that guy. Like if you had the opportunity uh, to get him, you should have took him. That's just my boggling debate. Because Luke is just when he was sixteen, I was watching some stuff today. He played against uh OKC in like a a scrimmage type thing in the preseason or whatever. I mean he played great in that game, blowing past people and I'm thinking, how would anybody he was what, the the third pick and then got traded? I was just thinking, like, no. If I had the opportunity, I'm taking that guy right away because that guy is just, as we're talking about, is just special. Just, you know, Trey Young's good, but Luka Donald is going to be at a whole nother superstar level in this. Uh, so, t- I don't know. My, why uh, not to cut you off, Matt, my first introduction to Doncic was actually Eurobasket in 2017 yeah. when, uh-huh. when Slovenia played La- Latvia. I don't know yeah. if you guys remember that, but that yep. was like, him and Porzingis just trading buckets back and forth. <clears throat> and that was, like, the one game. Like, I'm not going to sit here and act like I was on top of Luka Doncic's game from day one. But I remember watching that and being like, wow, this kid is right. how old? Like, he's going to be he's gonna be legit when he, when he comes over. And, I mean, you look at it. The Suns, they got Aiton. He's probably going to be a nice player. Uh, you got the Kings. They got Bagley. He's probably going to be a nice player. And then the Hawks traded – Right. To get Trey Young, he's going to be a really good player too. But I mean, Luca is just a different, a different animal. It's just insane that somebody would let him go. That's no, it's a little random, but I was just thinking that now. Yeah, we're going off on a Luca <laughs> tangent, but hey, yeah. that's the the Knicks are two and zero against Luca this yeah. year. Oh yeah, that's right. That's you know, I'm very thankful. Oh yeah, that's right. Just, you can't be. I know we're we're talking about potential thirteen game losing streaks. Yeah. Got Pepper that in every that's once in a while. Got. Yeah, well, that's all we got. Maybe we should just pretend like we're playing Dallas every night, and then we win. Yeah, yeah. Let's. That's the only we're, two. We're, next week's episode, we're doing a Dallas a Dallas recap plus a yeah. Dallas preview. <laughs> you should just go in there in the locker room and stuff, and just be like Dallas, huh? They're coming up. Yeah. Just start planting it yeah. in their brains because they play a whole exactly. lot. That's what you need to do, but. I also had this that was pretty funny. You guys remember a couple of weeks ago, I told you that the, the the way the Knicks lose are predictable. Even when they have a big lead, we know they're going to freaking blow it. It's just the way it is. I tell you, my fiance knows nothing about basketball, and she can tell me now they're about to blow this lead when it's like 15 points. Well, let me just tell you my world and what I have to live with. She asked me, this is a t- couple of days ago, a couple of games ago, when they were getting smashed by 100 points, you know, before Fizdale was fired. She's seriously asked me, why are you getting so mad? It's only preseason. <laughs> she thought we were preseason. Uh-huh. So that's, yeah, I'm just like, you got I. That's what I live with. She knows nothing about it. But she can tell me when they're about to blow it. But she thought we were in the preseason still. Lord, I wish. Because I this 4-19 is awful. Yeah, if there, was, awful. If there was a re, if there was a, a, the ability to hit a reset button, I think, yeah. uh, I think the Knicks would have hit the reset button a while ago. Right. I mean, this is 
Like I said, this, I mean, I know we're not going to be a great team, but 4-19, we're worse than we were last year with a better roster. I don't get it. I just, I, I really don't get it. It's just been a uh, just pure disaster, frustration. Hopefully in this West Coast trip, we can get even. And I think that's a success. Then they come back and they take on the Hawks, uh, the Heat, and the Bucks. So they should be able to beat the Hawks. Bucks and Heat, nah, not so much. Mm-mm. Not so much. Yeah. But we'll get yeah. into that maybe next week when we get to that next few games swing and the outlook for that. Maybe this team will be playing better by then, but who knows. But uh, you guys have any last finishing thoughts? Anything we discussed? Everybody um, good? I don't think no, so. nothing really. Just I think I think we're all on we're all in lockstep, kind of on you know Tuesday's game is going to be pretty fun. You know, Melo hasn't played against the Knicks since 2017 when he was with uh, the Thunder, so I think people are really excited for that. What's that? Uh, no, he, played the, he played the whole season there. He didn't get cut from OKC, right? That was no, yeah, season. yeah. He was, but no, they, they they play, their last season. game, their last game was December. They played, so it's been it's been yeah. you know almost two years now. That's been but a long the, the other thing is, you know, this Trailblazers game is kind of just like an appetizer for uh, New Year's Day when Melo goes to MSG, which yeah. I don't I don't know if he's going to retire, you know, after this season. It doesn't sound like it from some of his quotes. I don't think so. It could be his last game. I mean, I think every time he plays in MSG now, it's going to there's going to be, yeah. you know, a feel to it of, you know, could this be the last time? So I think, you know, Tuesday night is going to be pretty fun to just see him go up against the Knicks. But I'm really looking forward to that New Year's New Year's Day game. I think that's uh, that's the one that's the one big game. I think the Knicks still have uh, at least Knicks fans still have scheduled um, and circled on the calendar. Yep. I'll tell you this. Uh, just I was thinking something. I'm, I'm purchasing tickets and I'm actually going to try to get some media passes for it as well. But uh just so how bad things are, Knicks, Hornets tickets, right? right, right. Charlotte's about an hour and a half from me. To sit on the lower level, like eight rows behind the Knicks bench, is only $50. Yeah. I was like, I'd be crazy not to buy those seats. So Standing standing room only at, uh, at MSG. Yeah. In Charlotte, Charlotte, I'm telling you, Charlotte's a great place to watch a game because the tickets are not that bad. But since both teams are struggling, they're just giving them away. I mean, 50 bucks to sit on the lower-level seat, so I'm looking forward to that. I just seen that actually the other day, so I'm actually going to purchase those tickets right after the show. So I'll actually get to go to my first Nick game in a few years. Hopefully they're playing better good by stuff. then. Good stuff. Yeah, some- good stuff. They got, they got time to uh, turn it around a little bit for you. Maybe this will motivate them. Maybe they'll listen and go, you know, we got to get right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I like to think I'm important. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we'll leave it here. We'll wrap it up. Uh, We'll come back next week. We'll talk a little bit about how this West Coast trip went. Break that down. Uh, Get you ready for the next set of games coming up. That's going to be next week on the Knicks Data Mind Podcast. Thanks for listening.